Hello and welcome to Future Building. I'm Matthew Aitchison and I'm Professor at Monash University and CEO of Building 4.0 CRC. In this podcast, we take a broad look at buildings and building in contemporary society and what's coming down the pipeline in the future. Over the coming year, we'll talk with invited guests and experts in the field, where we'll cover news and trends along with research and developments in the industry. Future Building is proudly sponsored by Building 4.0 CRC. In this episode, we take the latest McKinsey report on the building industry out of the box with industry expert Daryl Patterson from Lendlease Digital. Daryl is adjunct professor at Monash University and founder and chief product officer of Lendlease Digital. Lendlease Digital was founded in 2019 as part of the company's transformational moves into new ways of designing, developing, producing and operating buildings. A veteran of the construction industry and serial innovator, Daryl has a high level of insight into the present and future of building like no other, so it's not surprising that I chased him down for his views on this report. The full title of the report is The Next Normal in Construction, How Disruption is Reshaping the World's Largest Ecosystem, and it comes off the back of another influential report from McKinsey, published in 2017, entitled Reinventing Construction, A Route to Higher Productivity. In this wide-ranging discussion, we cover not only what Daryl thinks of this report, but we get to drill deeper inside some of the bigger shifts he sees coming in the industry. By way of explanation, keep an ear out for Daryl's transistor moment statement towards the end of our interview. This is, in part, a reference to a 2014 book by Walter Isaacson entitled The Innovators, or How a Group of Hackers, Geniuses and Geeks Created the Digital Revolution. I single out this mention because it's an interesting parallel to draw about where we are at the present moment, and perhaps for those who are interested in a longer view of the sector and its directions. I can wholeheartedly recommend that book, not only as a great read, but as an allegory of a sort for the kinds of transformation we're expecting to see in building. I hope you enjoy our interview. I spoke with Daryl from his home office in Sydney in June 2020. Daryl, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matthew. Great to be here. Very good to see you again. Um, So how many people would you say have shared this report with you recently? Oh, uh, I seem to be a target for it. Uh, So people inside our company who know what I've been working on have taken trouble to send me multiple copies. Uh, I must be on at least my 12th or 13th. And then a few external parties have done the same. Excellent. I think that's probably a measure of the importance. But... Perhaps you could explain briefly to our audience why people like you and I tend to pay attention to reports like this one. Well, for one thing, it's probably the scarcity of them that uh, if you went back maybe five or ten years, you wouldn't find too many uh, well-authored reports that are doing this kind of insight on our industry. Uh, I think it was a, it, it's been a very unglamorous topic and it hasn't really had the attention that it warrants. And now you've got uh, reputable firms like McKinsey's turning their mind to it. So it's um, unique in that respect. But I also think um, from this report and their previous report, they're actually saying some things that make a hang of a lot of sense. And if you're interested in taking the industry in a new direction, this is certainly something to be aware of. At a high level, What do you think the main thrust is of this report as opposed to the last report? And could you say if you think it hits the mark? I think 
what McKinsey were writing about in 2017 really underscored the state of the industry. And for those in it, I think many people were inured to its actual um, level of productivity. And it's, it's very easy not to be aware of just how it's performing relative to other industry verticals. And so they made a good message to the industry about just how poor things were. And people did pay attention. There was a lot of commentary in that report. There continues to be commentary in that report. This report is more useful in that it really starts to examine some of the root causes of that poor productivity. And it starts to get to some more um, actionable ways of addressing it. I think in the last report, there was a kind of a recycling of ideas that you and I have seen for a long time in the industry, you know, prefabrication, offsite construction, and other things like that. And now they're starting to talk to the role of digital technologies and other big shifts, which we've seen in other industries. So really starts to get closer to what will happen as opposed to making a case for, for, for change. So rather than being an update of 2017, you think this is something new altogether? It definitely builds on 2017. I think it does um, put some really new ideas into the public domain for probably a lot of our peers in, in the construction industry. Um, and uh, I, I think it's, it's thematically or directionally similar to what was, was said before, but it does start to, to peel the onion quite a bit more. So every few years we see reports proclaiming imminent revolution, but we still seem to be waiting. Uh, there's certainly a lot of urgency in this report. Is it real, do you think? Well, I think there's urgency about the need for change, and I think we're seeing that in a number of different ways. We've moved from um, 20 years of discussion around affordable housing crises and other problems of uh, the affordability of the industry to absolute systemic failure with massive quality problems presenting projects in first world countries in, in built-up cities. So there's definitely an urgent case for change. Um, your point, I think, is that people keep waving their arms and saying change is, is nigh and it will be all about um, changing the methods of production. That's never really happened. We've not followed any of the other industries into manufacturing or productization. And so the question is, why not? And there are some unique complexities, I think, to the construction industry, which really only now are we seeing uh, the reach of technology extending um, towards solving. And so I think there is a possibility that now is the right time. What probably is urgent is that people are mapping their strategies out, how to deal with what is coming through in terms of technological change and particularly digital technologies. And if you aren't in the business of thinking about your strategy for the next few years with those subject matters in mind, I think you, you, you do have an urgent situation. So before we go a little deeper into the report itself, uh, I just want to test your thoughts on why a company like McKinsey uh, does these reports. Uh, what's, what's the business model and what, if any, reservation should we have about its findings? I'm not sure about reservations, but if we look at McKinsey's very highly regarded uh, international consulting practice that many, many businesses and industries rely upon for good advice on, on how to go forward in changing times. And uh, I think it's pretty clear when they produce white papers like this one, it is to capture um, 
the attention of the industry, but it's also somewhat of an advertorial to say, look, we're thinking deeply about this the situation uh, and we we have something to offer you. And so if you are in the business of trying to change your your company or your industry, perhaps we're here to help you. And, and uh, certainly this paper makes a good case for that. The report outlines nine shifts that are ahead, and I might quickly uh, list them off for those people who haven't heard them. Uh, number one, product-based approach. Number two is specialization. Number three, value chain control and integration with industrial grade supply chains. Four is consolidation. Five, customer centricity and branding. Six, investment in technology and facilities. Seven, investment in human resources. Eight, internationalization. And nine, sustainability. So, Daryl, uh, are there any observations in that list or data that's been presented in relation to them that strike you as new or in any way unexpected? The one for me that was a little unexpected, particularly uh, given the timing of the report and the fact that it does address the, the COVID-19 pandemic, was perhaps the one around internationalisation. And uh, I'm wondering actually if we're heading in the opposite direction, that there's, there's a lot of focus on nationalisation right at the present time. Whether that persists or not, let's see. Uh, I, I suspect a lot of people in the industry would be surprised by some of these. They, they don't surprise me. They're very much aligned to what we've been thinking about. but. Topics here that are probably not the norm for our industry would be the product-based approach. We, we don't tend to think in terms of products. Uh, and certainly customer centricity. It's very hard to find genuine customer centricity in our industry in a meaningful way. Um, I have to say on that point, I couldn't escape a certain safe bet feeling at times, uh, almost like going to the doctors and hearing uh, the doctor say, drink less and exercise more. Um, certainly the recommendations around sustainability or investment in technology and human resources feel a little like that. Would that have been any different in your opinion, say 10 years ago or 10 years from now? Well, I think it's in the detail. So when they talk about investment in human resources, when we read that a little bit more closely in the report, they're talking about getting into the right kind of digital resources. And that doesn't mean more of um, people who are branding themselves as digital because they use existing products that are digital. It's people who can actually create software and solve things using digital technologies. So uh, if we unpack that, we go, that is new, right? No one was recommending uh, that kind of specific skill set be imported inside construction industry companies. Um, but you could take it that way. You could look at some of these things and say they're just good business advice. You should be doing these things all the time. Um, Specialisation, for example, is a theme that we've seen since the 1980s that companies will make money where they focus and uh, become very good at what they do. Um, moving along a little bit now, I think that the report paints a picture of how this future industry is going to look, and they have several uh, very enticing graphics uh, for how to do that. Who are the winners and losers in this future vision? This is an excellent thing to think about. And uh, if we look at any other industry that's been disrupted, particularly by digital technology, we've seen massive winners and losers. Uh, and in some cases, it's, it's kind of scary. The value chain is going to shift, there's no question. I think they've made a very interesting um, view of how it's going to shift. They are predicting a big move into 
off-site assembly, uh, more of a manufacturing approach to delivering buildings. And that obviously has to eat into something and it's got to eat in probably to the work that traditionally took place on a construction site. They've also talked about the potential for a lot of value to be shared with customers and to move upstream. And, and I would very much agree with that, that there is a potential for quite a good dividend to the customer. At several points throughout the report, there's mention of disruptors. Indeed, the subtitle of the main report has the word disruption in it. They also mention new breed of players uh, in the report. Who does McKinsey have in mind here, Daryl? Well, usually it's the interloper from Silicon Valley or somewhere else in the, the digital sphere. So, you know, software is, has played a role in the industry for a while, but it's really been a, a, a bit role. It's not been of any great significance. We've, we've had um, drawing software, we've had collaboration software, we've had file management software, but we really haven't seen automation of particular processes. We haven't seen deep application of machine learning. Uh, we haven't seen really practical and large-scale application of generative design. And I think we're all starting to move into that direction. So these are whole investments from sectors that haven't really had much to do with our industry before. One of my, f- my personal favourites in, uh, in the report is the part uh, close to the end Uh, It's the part where uh, the individual actors in the construction industry that could be developers, designers and engineers or material manufacturers uh, and so on. Each of these actors has a mini outlook where suggestions are made about how to either transform or disrupt the current industry. So to me, this seems pretty appropriate because we're in an industry that has so many and such a wide variety of actors that you really need all of those uh, players at the table. In the main, do you think they've got this right in their predictions? I don't think it's wrong. Let's put it that way. I think um, the question is in what order will some of this disruption take place? And, and there's, a, there's some statements in here that suggest really the general contractor is where the, the moves are likely to start first. They're certainly going to be impacted. That's what you know, we, we just talked about with things going uh, to offsite production and uh, a consolidation of supply chain perhaps behind that offsite production. But I actually think it's very difficult to shift the construction piece of the equation, the physical on-site work. What is much easier to shift, and this report is almost silent on, in fact, is what will likely happen in the the professions, the design professions, the engineering and and architectural roles. And I think we'll see a shift there much more quickly than we will in the general contracting space. Well, let's pick that up a little in more detail. Both you and I were educated as architects a long time ago. Apparently, uh, according to this report, we should become the design arm uh, within a manufacturing firm. What do you think about that? I think it's more interesting to think about this issue of productization. So if we compare how we do things today, we, we don't really have products in our industry. We have projects. And that's kind of nice if you really, truly want a bespoke outcome. You, you start, you commission the designers, and you produce whatever you want. But, of course, we know the consequence of that. It's expensive, it's unpredictable in an outcome, and it comes with a lot of risk. But if we think about a product approach, well, that kind of implies the solution is in place before I come along to place an order. And I might be able to make certain modifications or customizations to that product, but it's, it's sort of preordained, predefined. And 
far from being dull and uninteresting to designers, I think that that's a whole new thing that we've never been able to do before, which is to take a product and to refine it and improve it like other industries have done. So I don't see designers becoming so much a sort of uh, addendum to manufacturing as being critical to this idea of evolving a product that over time, whatever that productization is within our industry, it should start to get better and better and better and much closer to what customers are trying to, to achieve from working with products. So turning back to your own work and that of Landlease Digital, what does a company like yours take out of this report? And is there anything that you could think of in your strategy that you'd change or that you might do differently in, in light of the findings we've been discussing? Uh, we have a strategy that does align with a lot of what's said in here. We, we think there's some other key things that perhaps aren't said here. For example, one thing that really doesn't get a lot of airtime in this paper is the systemic issues around quality. It's, it's almost certainly an offshoot of one of the foundational issues that is picked up that every single project is bespoke, and that does give rise to um, some challenges in delivering quality. But yeah, things like that actually have to be managed on the way through this journey to a, to a new delivery paradigm. So I'm not seeing anything in here that tells me we need to go rewrite our strategy. There's a nice affirmation of, of some of the things we're doing uh, in my mind, but I think there's some other things that are pretty important that are yet to be addressed. Perhaps it's the paper coming in a couple of years' time. Maybe three years if the, uh, the recent update sure. uh, is anything to go by. Um, You've mentioned quality just now, uh, but before we move to wrap up, I just wanted to ask you personally if you think there's something in the building industry that you wish or would hope that more people would pay attention to or, or that you think will make a critical difference in the future of building. Uh, look, I think one thing that we've not done well as an industry is really taken feedback uh, from, our, from our customers and that does go hand in hand with that idea of a product. If you have a product, then you reinforce the quality of that product by, by eliciting feedback on it and making sure you're improving it. And if you have a project, then you're perhaps less interested in that because you've moved on to the next project. So if there was one thing we could take um, a, a lesson from others on and really focus on, it's making sure we are collecting excellent data and understanding it on how to improve our products by listening to our customers. Thanks for that, Daryl. So just wrapping up now, I'd like to sort of project us into the future. Um, let's take a random spot, say it's 2030, and we look back at this report. How do you think we'll feel about it? And another way, I guess, of asking that question is, how do you think it's going to age? Well, the way time seems to be going past at the moment, uh, 2030 doesn't seem very far away. So... <laughs> You know, there's, a, there's a truism about all technology, and I think it's uh, Amara's law, in fact, that says we, we tend to overestimate the short-term impact of technology and, and deeply underestimate the long-term effect. And um, that's true of just about anything that's ever said in this space. So perhaps it's, you know, 10 years from now, maybe a third of what we're seeing here is, is actually starting to be present in a wide-scale way. Um, it doesn't mean it's not true and it doesn't mean the trajectory is not correct. It's just hard to know whether it's going to move this fast. But then the flip side of that is if you were to go out another 10 years, I'm sure everything in this paper will have been superseded. I think one of the really interesting things looking at some other industries, 
we we have this expression in house at the moment that our industry is yet to find its transistor moment and what we mean by that is if we look at the electronics industry you know a new technology came along semiconductor technology replacing valves and vacuum tubes and the new technology gave rise to new design new design gave rise to new manufacturing methods new manufacturing methods in turn gave rise to new technologies and so on and so forth it became a very you know, rapidly accelerating um, cycle of improvement and, and innovation. And I think that's not really contemplated in this paper. And I suspect if you do take that 20-year jump into the future, that's what we'll be seeing. This, this transistor moment has passed and we're into this rapidly accelerating and exciting, hopefully, future of a very different industry. So I know it's, it's a very fraught uh, question I'm about to ask you here, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it probably comes through the years I've spent teaching students in, in the university context. Uh, dare we give McKinsey a score on their report? Uh, and if we were to do so, what would your score be out of 10? Oh, it's tough marking a company like this. Oh, look, I think <laughs> this, is a, this is a pretty good paper. Uh, I think they've got a lot of things correct, um, most things, in fact. And so I'd, I'd be saying that this, is, this has got to be an 80% grade, so it's an 8 out of 10 at least. And, you know, I, I'd say that from a perspective of being within the industry and having thought about this for a long time. So probably a harsh marker. There's much more right in here than is, um, than is in doubt, I think. Thanks for that, Daryl. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you again. Uh, many thanks for your time today. Uh, for the audience, notes and references will be added online to the show notes. Thanks for listening and hope to catch you again soon. Bye for now.